The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where yeah, we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic for the rap. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I am a contributor to Slash Film. Uh, I don't need a nickname. Cool. I, wa- I wanted one as a kid, but I never needed one. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk about uh, another very recent death. Yes. Another very recent, uh, uh, a tragic slaying in the world of television. Uh, every year around this time, we do a couple of different events. We do an event called Suddenly Last Season. You know, because everyone loves Tennessee Williams so much <laughs> that, uh, you know, felt apropos. I don't know who has a problem with Tennessee Wait, Williams. Anyway, my point is that surely, surely there's somebody out there yeah. with a Tennessee Williams podcast uh-huh. who's slightly miffed at what you just said. I'm sure there is. Listen, I love I love Tennessee Williams too. Don't <laughs> anyway, my point is this. Uh, we do a series called Suddenly Last Season where we talk about TV series that were canceled very recently within the last season or so. Mm. You know, These things are a little nebulous. Sometimes shows end and then aren't officially canceled until later, but recently. We also do an event called Scarytober, where we talk about Scarytobish series that were cancelled possibly too soon. Well, it, in the month of October. Oh, okay, you can you can you can stop with that. How many people can roll an O? That's true. Everyone rolls an R. Try rolling well, an O sometime. And you don't roll with your tongue; you roll with your throat, right? Yeah. That's a, a genetic thing. I understand. Yeah. People can rub. Roll their R's with the tip of their tongue or from, like, the back of their throat. I can do both. Can you? Yeah. Do it with your tongue. Um, okay. Uh, Scarytober. <laughs> okay, there you go. Scarytober. Well, that, that's impressive. Yeah. You can do both. Yeah, All right. do both. You're uh, welcome. I'm, I just, right, so I'm a you, medical you're marvel. You're just pr- proving me wrong. Uh, the curious thing about this year is uh, that there was so much overlap between our two core concepts. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of scary shows that lot didn't of, last yeah, more than a season. A lot of horror shows just this last year that didn't last at all. And um, this next one is it's based on a, a popular book. That mm-hmm. was then adapted into, I think, three, maybe four no, three. popular, three was, popular movies. Well, no, well, hold on. Two one, popular movies and no. one unpopular movie. One popular movie, one unpopular movie, and one movie nobody's even fucking heard of for the most part. <laughs> I suppose so. But the name has stuck around because it's one of those like long, memorable titles. The original film that came out of it was a pretty big hit. It came like just the right time after the Scream franchise mm. debuted to capitalize on that success. In fact, uh, there were actors who were turning it down uh-huh. because it was too similar to Scream. Indeed. And it, both films were written by the same screenwriter, so mm. people saw the similarities. Yeah. Uh, but they decided to turn it into a television series, and we're going to be reviewing that now. It aired on Amazon Prime, and it is all about how I, in particular, me, Bibbs, 
know what you did last summer. Graduation. I told you I was going. I had to drive a dad. <laughs> this party is about to get too <laughs> I love this song. I'm here with the OGs. I need a burrito. <laughs> No one will really know what we did. Did anyone see us that night? No. Why do you ask? Even if someone knows what happened, they can't prove it. I'm telling you, more people are gonna die. This can't be a coincidence. I think that she might be the killer. You're just trying to save yourself. Okay, so I Know What You Did Last Summer was a kind of a young adult novel written by Lois Duncan, and it was a blackmail story. It was a suspenseful tale about a group of young people who, uh, as they were graduating from high school, uh, hit someone with their car, a random human being, didn't know them, and killed them. And they had a choice. We could do the right thing, tell the police, but potentially throw our whole futures away, or we could just sort of... Just sort of not do that, mm. and and keep D- this horrible secret Disp- for our yeah. whole lives. The, uh, they they run down, and the person they run down is not like a known person to mm. them. This yeah. is like, this is a vagrant. They're uh, a, they they kind of from their uh, place of uh, mm. privilege find that this is vagrant as a person who has no real value. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to dispose of their body and just not tell anybody. Yeah, they'll and, just go missing, and that uh, will be that. Uh, fast forward one year, they're all racked by guilt. And uh, one of them receives a mysterious note that says the title of the book. I know what you did last summer. The original book was released in 1973. Mm -hmm. And then it was rewritten in recent years to include contemporary references. And I've read some of that version. I I got a few chapters into it. I was at a library and I read a few chapters of it. And, you know, it was... It was clearly written by someone who like didn't have like a super deep firsthand knowledge of online culture, but mm-hmm. it affect. It was basically like instead of someone like, and then I left high school and pursued a career in television journalism. They became like an online celebrity kind of thing, and so yeah. pretty pretty superficial differences. Just basically taking a book that, by the sheer virtue of the fact that it was written in the 70s and set in the present day, could no longer feel timeless. And that's true for any movie, really, Mm -hmm. basically. If you set something in the present day, eventually you've you've made a period piece. There (laughs) There will come a day when the only time people looking at your movie will look at it as dated, if only because it took place at that date, didn't it? It doesn't feel like it could have been made now. Yeah, Nothing uh, wrong with that. That's uh, just life. The the rewrite, by the way, is from 2010. Yeah. So long after the feature film. Yeah. But the feature film kept it in the public consciousness. And uh, the feature film, which was uh, written by Kevin Williamson, I think he's got sole credit on it. Um, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And uh, it starred uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. It starred Freddie Prinze Jr. It starred Sarah Michelle Gellar. It starred Ryan Phillippe. And it starred the late mm-hmm. Anne Heche, who, I must say gives an Oscar-worthy performance in that movie. She is, she's really <laughs> acting in that movie, and no one else um, is. It, it was a good showcase for a lot of the young young talent at the time. All four of those people were about mm. to explode. Uh, I, I actually recently found out that Ryan Phillippe was not under consideration for the role until Reese Witherspoon uh, auditioned for one of the roles. Oh. 
And she came in, she read the script, she said, no, I'm not going to do this. But I just started dating this guy. Oh. Like, she had just started dating Ryan Phillippe. She said, you should consider him. And he played the jock character. Yeah. And in the script, the jock character is, like, he's huge, he's like, seven feet tall. He's, like, this giant bruiser. Yeah. But Ryan Phillippe, like... He's a little alive. He's, he's like, yeah, he's, like, kind of a smaller guy. They, yeah. they thought it was good enough, so they cast no, he, him. And he, he, he sells it. He's just of, not, yeah. like, a, a, a linebacker, you know? But um, Kevin Williamson, uh, again, he had just uh, had a huge hit with Scream, hmm. and he and also wasn't Dawson's Creek around the same time. It was he. He had this big late nineties. Like hmm. he, had, he had the Scream movies. Uh, he had I know you last summer. He had Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which I believe was originally Killing Mrs. Tingle, but then the whole Columbine yeah, thing happened, they, uh, and they re-edited that around. He, uh, Kevin and, Williamson was behind a show that we'll probably cover on Council Too Soon at some point called Wasteland, oh, yeah. which was like the post-college. Dawson's yeah. Creek, like early twenties Dawson's yeah. Creek, and then and he created Dawson's Creek, which was not horror related. They had like a couple of like Halloween episodes, but it, it was, was a, just a, a, it was a, a teen soap. Opera, it was a teen yeah. soap opera without shame, and it, it was briefly very controversial. Hmm. And then it was just the show that was on, but it launched a bunch of big careers. It launched Michelle Williams, Katie Holmes, hmm. and others. D- uh, James Vanderbeek. He's Dawson. What is he? What is he doing now? Okay. I I don't blame James Vanderbeek for the lack of James Vanderbeek. I'm not blaming jobs. him either way. I'm just saying he. I'm just saying, <laughs> Katie Holmes still stars in movies and sometimes Michelle Williams is in, has She's been nominated for multiple movie, Academy yeah, Awards. Yeah. James Vanderbeek, not so much. Uh, Joshua oh. Jackson, very successful TV career. He's okay. done a lot since. Um, but uh, he's on Fringe. I, uh, he was in The Affair. You know. I I. Remember reading an interview with Emilio Estevez at one point. This was uh, when he was directing the movie Bobby. Oh he's, yeah, he's directed a few notable films. No, he he directed uh, uh, that uh, biopic about the guys who made mm. um, you know porn in the seventies called Rated X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was a pretty big film. Everyone's like, oh my god, Emilio Estevez mm. can direct, and then it was like, oh, can Emilio Estevez completely reinvent his career and become like an Oscar-nominated director? And then he did a movie about Bobby Kennedy called Bobby, which said no. People just I, I, I didn't, didn't. I didn't see Bobby. I heard exactly. about some pretty good reviews, but yeah, yeah it just successful. it just didn't didn't go. Um, but uh, in that interview, he said uh, people are asking was like, so you had this like as a young man, like when he was in teens, twenties, as part of the Brat Pack, that whole uh, team yeah. of actors, and uh, like your career was at this high, and now you're not working as much as an actor. You're directing instead, and. Yeah. Emilio Estevez said very frankly, I didn't stop acting on purpose. Yeah. Like he didn't, like, he, just the jobs never came to him. Yeah, they Some, dried up after yeah, that, yeah. Like, like, I think the Mighty Ducks, like, was a help, but also kind of a heart, harm to his career. Because, mm-hmm. like, now he's typecast as a kiddie movie kind of a guy, and he yeah. didn't want to keep on doing those kinds of movies. Uh, so I think about that when I think of any actor who you just don't see in the public eye. Oh, I'm, and I am not critiquing them. I'm just making a point that not everyone from that show... <laughs> Made it huge. Mm. Uh, in any case, Kevin Williamson took that uh, that story, which was way more Hitchcockian, way more blackmail suspense, mm. and uh, turned it into a slasher movie, which it was not originally. There was not a big body count in the original uh, uh, book. Mm. He also did something which was, I think, very clever. It kind of feels arbitrary when you watch the movie, but it was great for branding and marketing. He combined the story of I Know What You Did Last Summer with the old campfire story of Hook Hand. Yes. So the killer... And I know what you did last summer, their signature look, which is always good if you're branding a, a slasher franchise. He wore a rain slicker because it was a fishing town. 
and he had one of those big mighty hooks that you it's use like to like butcher. stab fish and like pull yeah, them onto a, a bow a, a big a handheld meat hook yeah yeah uh, and that was the weapon of choice. And uh, there's a noteworthy rather, image. Rather chilling shot of the killer hoisting a human body underneath the ribcage yeah. without that hook. And, very, uh, very scary. Uh, uh, Lois Duncan <coughs> hated that. Lois Duncan, uh, I, I believe, I imagine had a, she would because she, it changed her book. Well, it's not just it changed her book. She had, I think, a, a child or a close uh, relative who had died violently. Oh, gosh. And okay. didn't think it was in very good taste to do mm-hmm. uh, change her story into a story about dead teenagers, to quote Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. Yeah. Uh, so she really didn't care for that movie at all. But it was a huge hit. Uh, it spawned a sequel shortly afterwards called I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Now, a title which makes no sense. Because if it's still last summer, wouldn't that take place in like the same summer as the first movie but it takes place a year later so so it should be i know what you did last summer as well or no because i I know what you did last summer but maybe i also know what you did two summers hence yeah it should have been called i know what you did two summers ago and etc um and then there was uh, the plot of that movie is very stupid by the way i saw it and i don't remember here's here's the plot here's how the plot kicks off they basically uh the characters who survive from the original movie uh and a few new characters are sent to uh, a a sort of a hotel resort in the Caribbean summer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they win the tickets by calling into a radio show and answering the following trivia question. What is the capital of Brazil? And they say Rio de Janeiro. That's not right. And they win. Yeah. That's a big plot point in the movie <laughs> that they don't quote unquote reveal until the final act. Mm. And I'm like, so if you have even any knowledge mm. of geography or Brazil or, or well, I, anything I, I, that's below I the equator. Played, I yeah. where in the world is Carmen San Diego yeah. when I was in the fourth grade. So you're ahead the of the movie from scene one. So it's oh, so God. it's so shoddy and the plot makes no sense. And then Quite a few years later, there was a straight-to-video sequel that most people, like, to my knowledge, don't really, t- A, talk about, and B, even know about, called, and I love this title, I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm-hmm. So whatever you did last summer, regardless of what summer that was, this guy knows. I'll always know what you did last summer. And that one is, you went, uh... You went to Knott's Berry Farm and yeah. you had a wonderful time. <laughs> In that particular one, and it's whole new kids at that point, they did something bad, and the next summer they all get uh, mm-hmm. vengeance. Uh, in that one, we find out that oh. the fisherman guy is actually a, 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 a specter. It's like a, a supernatural thing. He's like, now. you know, like they're like, you know, like, oh, this is the patron saint of lost causes, or ah, uh, this is the demon mm-hmm. of serial killers, or whatever like that. His whole thing is he knows what you did last summer. Like that, <laughs> he's, the, he, he's, he's the, the last summer knowing stuff demon it's like the the deity of knowing yeah. what you did last summer it's um embarrassing honestly <laughs> it's like if you thought i still did last summer was bad and it is but at least mm. it's badness is just that it's really forced like it really just this is this arbitrary sequel yeah. i'll always know what you did last summer I, if i wish it was worse than it was because then it would be so comical you'd have to cheer uh-huh. but it's not, it's just kind of inept and the premise is so laughable you have to just sort of smirk and move on with your life. Yeah. So anyway, the, the the title had value. And there had been talks about Mar- bringing Mar- it Mar- back. Marquee value. Yeah, that's, the, and that's the thing. People have heard, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, 
long titles stick with people. Hmm. They remember that shit. You remember, I know what you did last summer. There was talk for many, many years of rebooting it, doing a legacy sequel. Uh, I believe Mike Flanagan was attached to a a new movie version for a while, or at least he was writing a script that fell through. And then finally, we got the Amazon series, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Which, um... Changes quite a bit, once again. Uh, changes quite... Uh, this It's reminiscent of a certain kind of thriller from the 90s, but mm. not the slasher revival. No. This is very much in the vein of something like Wild Things yeah. or The Devil's Advocate. These kind of like sleazy sex thrillers. I don't know if, I, I, don't were, know if I go with The Devil's Advocate, but uh, definitely Wild Things, yeah. yeah There's just, kind of like the teens are behaving badly and it's going to go badly for them. Yeah, or... Um, or uh, mm. uh, Havoc, the JD, yeah. the JD film with Anne yeah, Hathaway. That, that thing, it's like um, two thousand or something. But yeah, yeah around around there. there. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, this is all about uh, sex and drugs. Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker. Another, another good example. Well, yeah. That was like a, a Heather's knockoff. Yeah, but, but yeah. it was but a black comedy. Teens mm. behaving badly. Things yeah. badly for them. The tone was a little different, but the premise was basically similar. Uh, so uh, yeah, what they've changed in this new TV series uh, mm. was uh, a most notably. Uh, there's five of them and not four. Mm-hmm. There's a few extra people. Uh, I involved. guess there's six of them, but we'll get. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, char- I guess the main character. It's yeah. totally new characters, but like, yeah. the, the main lead character. Yeah, the protagonist that we're following uh, now is a pair of identical twin sisters, played by Madison Eisman. Yeah, Madison Eisman plays them both, and uh, they do nothing. They make sure that they dress the same and have the same hairdo. They, that yeah. they that they can be mixed up as a plot point. Yeah, the second you see that they are dressed the same and they like go, they're at a part. A lot of the first episode is a flashback to like this graduation party, which of course leads to mm. the shocking event that someone will know what they did at that that particular <laughs> summer. Um, do you have two identical twins who are bickering at each other and over the course of the night they begin to wear each other's attire more and more and if you know anything about how identical twin stories tend to go you can kind of be ahead of yeah, the episode yeah, so, a little uh, bit so, so ra- that's a big deal one so of the, them is the main... a valedictorian uh-huh. uh, she, her name is Lennon she's a valedictorian but she's also on drugs she's also sleeping with everybody including her teachers and um it's an interesting sort of contradiction. Everybody loves her, but she's completely fucked up. And then her identical twin yeah, she, sister, it, it, Allison. It's, it's like a Laura Palmer situation. Yeah, very much yeah. so. And then her identical twin sister, Allison, who everyone thinks of as this kind of this zero dropout problem child, even though Lennon's really the only one who does anything truly terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just been kind of living in her sister's shadow this whole time. Um, Allison resents her sister. Allison mm-hmm. has a crush on a boy. At the grad party, her sister sleeps with that boy. Out of spite. Out of just like, being an ass, basically. Yeah. So things are going and, uh, real, real bad. Uh, and uh, uh, Lennon has a best friend, mm-hmm. uh, who's my favorite character. Uh, Margo. Uh, Margo. Yeah, uh, she's played, played by an actress named Brianne Chu. And uh, she is in love with Lennon. Yes. She's a, a bisexual character. She's, in fact, there are no fewer than four bisexual characters in this TV series. Which is fun. Uh, Margot is a, a daughter of a wealthy family, and she, her whole deal is she's an Instagram influencer. Mm. And she'll do, like, uh, makeup videos and other... Uh, so she's constantly on social media, she's, basically yeah, selling she, her brand. She's the, the hip talker, and I think that her hip talk is a little awkward is... 
kind of appropriate for the character because yeah. she's, she's an Instagram influencer, but yeah. uh, her mom understands that this is actually a viable uh, career. Mm-hmm. So her mom is constantly pushing her to be a better influencer. So yeah. her mom is behind this career of hers. Yeah. Uh, then we've got uh, Dylan, uh, played by Ezekiel Goodman. Uh, Dylan is the super serious one. He's the broody guy. He's very broody, and he's been in love with Allison for forever, but at the party, he ends up sleeping with Lennon, and it becomes a whole thing. Uh, Then there's Riley, played by Ashley Moore. Uh, Riley is is another interesting contradiction of a character where everyone sees her as the goody two-shoes, you know, good, kind-hearted, best friend type, Mm. but she's also the local drug dealer. She, Yeah, um, I feel like... They didn't really nail the character. And I think the poor actress was just left to drift. Yeah. Because she was supposed to be, like, kind of criminal and tough, but also really sweet and tender. Yeah. And I don't think the scripts found a good balance for her. Not especially, no. Uh, there's also Johnny, uh, who is uh, Riley's best friend, and other people have had a huge crush on him for forever. Uh, he is not going to go off to college. That's his big drama. Mm. And indeed, we find out very early on that he ended up staying at home. Oh, oh! The other one of the other big changes is they moved it from like it's like not from New England. Yeah. They moved it from like a, a fishing town in New England to uh, Hawaii. I think it's Oahu, but it's oh, one of the Hawaiian okay, islands, yeah. uh, which is an interesting choice. Mm. You know, so that's a fun uh, uh, locale with a lot of specificity to it, which I think they do a pretty good job of trying to capture somewhat. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so he ends up staying in town and <coughs> stealing his old gym teacher from the dude's wife, mm-hmm. and now they're getting married, and boy does this show not really understand how to handle that topic very well, because everyone in town is like, it's so sweet that they waited until he was 18, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my fucking, well, I don't care how many championships he's got your team, no! I think I'd have to look this up. Well, I would look it up, but I get on a list. Yeah. But uh, I, I think age of consent laws are different in the state of Hawaii age of than they are in the rest. Of, age of consent laws in, in the United vary. States, yeah. it's a really odd because mm. it's actually a state by state basis. Yeah, there's there's not like one federal age of consent law in the United and I, States. But I'm going to throw it out and there that, right uh, now. If if you're a teacher and they're a student, it's inappropriate no matter what. Oh, absolutely. Age of consent if, law um, is. and in fact. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing an ethical debate way back in the 90s about how, you know, a teacher ran into a student that they had taught like 20 years prior. Right. And still said, that's still not appropriate. I, and, yeah. Know, just because that, that was the teacher's ethic. And I was with the teacher. Like, yeah, you should, you, should, you should never, yeah. if you teach them, you don't get to date them. Yeah, that's, it's, that's the deal. It, yeah, it's, it doesn't work. So the show doesn't really deal with that in any way whatsoever. Kind of mm-hmm. wish they did, but spoiler alert: those characters die quick. Um, <laughs> me, okay, yeah. so the the, uh, the Lennon and Allison, Allison yeah. have a big old fight about stuff that won't even be revealed really until later. Oh, in the and show. Uh, their dad is still alive. Yes, but their mother their allegedly has, killed herself yeah, long the, ago. The mom has committed suicide and has been absent ever since. Mm. Allison wears a necklace uh, that her mother used to wear. Yes. And, and uh, uh, during one of their fights, Allison pulls the necklace off, says, you take everything from me, take mom too. Like throws uh-huh. the necklace at her and uh, Lennon, and puts, Lennon on puts it on. So later on that <laughs> night, and a lot of, this is all a lot of flashback structure. Mm. In fact, there are flashbacks within flashbacks. Not a great way to tell a story. But uh, a bunch of her friends get in the car with Allison and they assume Allison is Lennon and Allison doesn't correct them. Uh, 
So they get on, they get on the road, they're driving, and they end up hitting someone with their car, but instead of being just some random person, it's Lennon. However, everyone thinks they're in the car with Lennon, so they assume that they've killed Allison. Mm. And, and uh, Allison, Allison, Allison has... is a little too in shock to really recognize what's happening, and she decides to just go with it. Yeah, so they uh, re- they bring Allison, the, Allison's body, uh-huh. Lennon's body. Uh-huh. Uh, the actual dead person is Lennon. Yes. They bring Lennon's body yeah. to this cave on the beach. Yeah, where the hot, where the rising tide will eventually well, well, sweep like it a, away. Yeah, sweep it away. Um, the significance of the cave will become really important later on. Uh, and it gets really stupid. It's, it's um, pretty forced, yeah. But, uh, so that t- takes them out to sea, and now, so the drama is, not only did they not kill a vagrant, they killed uh, a friend, a friend which, which so, actually, and a relative. Which is actually a pretty good idea, because mm-hmm. it makes the stakes that much stronger for all of them, uh, and it makes all of their emotional investment that much heavier. But now we have this soap opera mistaken identity plot where we have one twin who has to now permanently uh, impersonate the other. Dad knows she doesn't have to pretend uh, that she's hiding something from her dad. Yeah, and actually this is the part of the show that made me think we might be watching something interesting because that pilot episode... Which is mostly the grad party. It's um, mm. Allison coming home from school. She sees someone has written, I know what you did last summer, on a mirror in her closet. Mm. And there's like a goat head in there. Yeah. Uh, gross. And then we see all the so, flashbacks. Like blood dripping down the wall. We see all the flashbacks to the grad party. There's the big reveal at the end of the episode that it was uh, Lennon who died instead of Allison. Allison's been taking her place. First thing next episode, she tells her dad. Yeah. Now it's been like a year, and indeed she went to college as <laughs> Lennon. Mm. I hope she studied the same stuff in school. I don't know what her what her <laughs> ma- they don't really talk about what her major was gonna be. Uh-huh. I, I, I hope you took AP Bio. Just in case. Well, you know what? You you're going out. Of, I think she goes out of state. She goes to so, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so it's okay. Fresh start. Nobody well, knows who she is. It's so easy to know yeah. who she is, but her, might not her, her. Again, did she go to Michigan on a specific track? Yeah, uh, Matt, you know uh, uh, Lennon was valedictorian. Maybe she has a scholarship which requires her to take certain classes because That's true. it's like, uh, oh, you're you're on an engineering scholarship. There well, isn't I hope a li- you're so good at that. There isn't a, a line of dialogue where it's like, oh, I changed majors right away. I decided yeah. I want to do something different, which yeah. would be fine. Yeah. But it, we don't then really get into it. It's a minor thing. It's if this was the biggest problem with the show, I'd be fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's been it's been over the summer. She this bad thing has happened, and she finally just tells her dad. First thing, episode two. And it's like, okay, we're not going to tell this story the most predictable way possible because that first episode, a little predictable. You have well, identical and, uh, twins, the, uh, there's a death. You, we just kind of see where we're I, going I, really I, fast. We were talking about this on one of our Patreon calls. Uh, we have yeah. hangouts for our patrons. Uh, and it's one of those big graduation teen bash house parties that I see in movies all the time. Yeah. And I've never seen in real life. Yeah, you weren't cool. And, uh, well, <laughs> I was convinced those weren't real. I thought they were like a trope of screenwriters. Yeah. It's like, teens go to party, have, you know, it's very crowded and there's a lot of music and people are sneaking off to back rooms to have sex. That's the kind of thing that happens in movies and not in real life. Right. It took me a little while to realize, oh, wait, I just wasn't invited to no, those I wasn't. Inv- I wasn't invited <laughs> so either. So for a long time, I assumed those kinds of parties weren't real. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, that's like my first twitch. Oh, that's not. Real. I will say this though: the party is depicted in the pilot episode of "I Know What You Did Last Summer" is 
kind of pushing it because in addition to having, you know, a bunch of teenagers and, you know, like teenagers always have like glow sticks, Uh you know, just in case. So they got a lot of glow sticks. They're all doing, it's rave culture. thing. They're all doing drugs, which yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Right. People do drugs. Um, you're, you're underage drinking. Yeah. I, I was in high school. I get it. Um, the parents are also at this party. And, they and, they're even, also, and they're also doing a lot of drugs and drinking. They're, they're just flat out saying, well, I'm glad they're doing it here. I'm like, oh my God. Hmm. Really? Here, here's the tone of this show. Everyone is a fucking sleaze. Pretty in much. In this series. Yeah. The teen characters and the adult characters. Yeah. Everybody's kind of sleeping around. Everybody yeah. has a crush on everybody else. And nobody really has a very straight moral compass. Yeah. It's very film noir. It is, kind of. Yeah, yeah I wish it maybe had more of that tone, but yeah. Hmm. So, uh, in the second episode, she tells her friends. Her friends are like, well, maybe someone's just fucking with you. Maybe you did but something she, else last summer. Uh, you she, are kind of a bitch, Lennon, is she the tell, overall She tells vibe. her friends about yeah. the goat head, not, yeah. not Sorry, about yes. her identity. She doesn't know? tell anyone about her identity, but she tells them about the goat head. And the whole vibe is, you know, Lennon, you're kind of a bad person. Maybe... Hmm. Maybe you did something else. I don't know. I'm really not looking into it too far. And then at the end of that episode, uh, Johnny and the gym teacher die horrible deaths. Yeah, the gym teacher is wired to a weight bench. And when Johnny tries to save him, he ends up falling off a ledge and somebody gets their head chopped off. And, and yeah, then, and then the, the the gym teacher has like a large weight, like crunches face. And we see it too. It's pretty brutal. Uh, this is an Amazon series, so there's there's yeah. nudity, uh, there's yeah. cussing, there's a lot of bloody violence. Yeah, and, and you know, more, kudos. More sex in this show than I've seen since the days of HBO. It's quite a bit of, of again, not as... The only people who have consistent... Like, there, there's there's a consistent couple who have sex, and it's actually uh, uh, Allison's dad mm. and the local sheriff. And they and are... They're both single, but their affair is like kind of illicit. So they're, yeah, they, they're keeping it secret. They've been sleeping together for a long time. Uh, it turns out that their sex is on the kinky side. Mm. There's a lot of BDSM involved. And we see a fair amount of it. Mm. And, but here's what I like about that, actually. It's all consensual. They're actually having a good mm. time. There's nothing wrong with that. That part's fine. Well, it's, it's consensual. I wish it were depicted as like a fun and zesty thing. But they, <laughs> the show films it like it's this really shameful thing that they're uh, doing and yeah. they talk about it in these really shameful terms it in practice there's nothing wrong with what they're doing no no really. you know, they, so long as she's you know still staying on the job it's okay for them to sneak off to a closet and put on a strap on which they do apparently uh, they do yeah. yeah yeah uh and also um allison slash lennon uh mm-hmm. has a few sex scenes with uh several people in fact yeah, uh, so uh, I guess Allison uh, is... So uh, Lennon was bisexual. Mm. Uh, I guess Allison is too. Uh, she's always had a crush on Dylan. So the whole Dylan sleeping with Lennon thing was very hurtful to her. Uh, but uh, she ends up... And at first it's hard to tell because Lennon and Margot mm. had an on had sort of an ongoing well, they, uh, thing got together. What, what they had was... Um, they had the, uh, like teasing boys at parties sexual relationship uh-huh like we'll dance well, on the like, dance like floor we'll dance, sexually. You know, like and like they'll even like tongue kiss and even like do sexual things but for the benefit of watching men uh, which is that's a thing oh uh, yeah, yeah i get it it's fine I've, but i've i've yeah sadly had far too many conversations with uh young queer women who have had straight friends who sort of 
lead them on in such a fashion. Huh. Like, out of, like, the Rocky Horror crowd. Yeah. Like, that's happened a couple times. Well, in any case, uh, over the course of the series, in order to keep people thinking that she's Lennon, Mm. uh, Allison has to do Lennon-ish things, and one of the things is make out with Margot, but then... Maybe she's really into Margot. Yeah. It's a little hard to tell after a while. Hmm. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of people to talk to and confess to and actually say, am I really into Margot? I don't know. And it was implied that uh, Johnny and... Margot was really into Johnny. Yes. And uh, I, I appreciate this about the Margot character. And this is why I said she's my favorite. Yeah. She's scattered. Mm-hmm. She has trouble concentrating. Yeah. Uh, she's bisexual and she's like horny to to a fault yeah like she's thinking about sex at the most inappropriate times i actually and I can kind of relate to that i actually think i will say this some of the characters in particular i think allison and lennon mm. you know they're, they're trapped in a plot yeah which requires them to behave out of character a lot and that's a rough place for any actor to be and i, I sympathize mm. uh I would actually argue that most of the characters are pretty richly constructed for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We, we reviewed a show that's rather similar to this in structure called Harper's Island, yes. which predates it by over 10 years. The whole thing it was, it was a slasher's uh, movie over the course of an entire season. It was a mid-season replacement, so about Huge 13 episodes. Huge like that to introduce like 20 characters so yeah. you could kill them all off. But like, yeah, every episode they killed at least one, maybe more characters and just sort of like whittling the cast down until uh-huh. you finally reveal who the killer was. Harper's Island is great, by the way. <laughs> I really I, like Harper's Island. I've, I've seen a few shows try to copper the ha- copper, try to uh, a copy the uh, Harper's Island vibe. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of them. I think they're definitely using basically the same structure. Bunch of people have their past catch up with them. Uh, typically there's about one death per episode sometimes there isn't but mostly there's one death per episode there's eight episodes in this series and there are eight bodies yeah exactly but two people die in episode one or episode two so it all kind of averages out but uh, I think Harper's oh and then the Scream the series did it as well to mixed effect I think they're all chasing Harper's Island I think Harper's Island (laughs) nailed this and everyone else is trying to catch up but I will say this a lot of the characters in Harper's Island were you know, kind of archetype-type characters. It worked for that show. A shorthand I, for that show. I, I think yeah. at its best, I know what you did last summer, the series, is actually trying to have some pretty nuanced and complicated characters with believable contradictions. Mm-hmm. And I think Margot is one of those. Uh, I think they keep Dylan kind of, like, his, like, motivations for a lot of things at arm's reach a, long, a lot of the time. Mm. He's the one who took the uh, slaying of quote-unquote Allison really, really hard because he was in love with her. And he's been just, like, really moody and detached ever since. So yeah. it seems like he's the red herring. Or is he? But, uh, yeah, everyone else has some actual, like, interesting character stuff to work with. And I like that. I think that's pretty, pretty good. So, um, yeah, so the murders are are piling up. The killer is sending uh, all of the, uh, uh, the, the... all of the Allison murderers... Uh, videos every time it happens and we start getting more and more suspects there's the weird kooky lady who lives down the lane who it turns out mm. used to be married to allison's dad her, she- uh, her the character is named uh, uh red herring i believe uh, she, everything about her is red herringish yeah, and it turns bad. out she's kind of not which is not a clever reveal it just yeah. The way what what it turns out she's up to is unbelievably stupid. So here's the here's the underlying plot because basically, the creators of this show 
someone in the ranks, I don't know if it was the executive producer, I don't know if it was a note from Amazon, I don't know if they just genuinely all thought this was a great idea. At some point, the people making I Know What You Did Last Summer, a pretty straightforward premise, mm. a bunch of people with motives and things to hide start dying, and because they all have a secret to share, they can't just tell the police and they have to deal with it themselves. Right. So one of them gets picked off every episode or so, and then eventually we figured out who the killer is. Straightforward, effective, a little uncomplicated, but it works fine. They decided, that's not enough. We need to lay some foundation. We need to lay some groundwork, something that maybe we can play with in future seasons, <coughs> or maybe we could just sort of surprise people by throwing in elements that they're not used to. And I know what you did last summer. The element in question is that, remember that cave we told you was super important? Well, that cave was where a cult committed uh, 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 an act of, uh, they, they all killed themselves in that cave. Mm. And uh, this, is, this is like the big, you know, horrible backstory of this town on the island. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, the cult idea is strange. Um but uh, if you look at the way the filmmakers filmed Hawaii, this is not yeah. tourist Hawaii. No, I actually this like that. This is not like people hanging out on beaches all day, mm. lazing about, kind of having fun on vacation. No, if you, if you spend a meaningful uh, amount of time in Hawaii, even if you've just like you know visited there on vacation long mm. enough to actually just explore what Hawaii is actually like for people who live there, it's not bad. Mm. It's not bad. It gets it pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I appreciate that. There's no glamour in this Hawaii. Yeah. It's actually like. A horrible, sleazy, small-town Hawaii. <laughs> like, everybody's just horrible in yeah. this town. They all know each other, and it, it has a past. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate that about... Sure. It's it's not even all, always sunny. It's like they're, like, rainy, mm -hmm. overcast days in Hawaii. They're indeed there. Uh, so, yeah, there's this cave and a cult, mm -hmm. and uh, Allison and Lennon's mom was part of this cult, uh -huh. and she, it's, like, this weird pseudo-Christian cult. And mm. the cult is also connected to the Red Herring character. Yes, because she was part of the cult as well, yeah. and indeed so was Allison's dad. Yeah, and he left the cult. Uh, Red Herring is maybe still part of it. Mm. And she's been doing really suspicious things, which have to do with this rare breed of spider. <laughs> yes! It turns out a lot of the people who die <coughs> in this show, mm. the, 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 the gym teacher, there's... Um, the guy who, in, you might remember in the movie, there's a character, I think he was played by that one guy from Big Bang Theory, uh, Johnny, Big Bang. Po Johnny Pilecki. Oh, I don't Jared, remember. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Jared Pilecki? No. Maybe. All right. There's also, there's, there's, there's Padalecki from Supernatural, and then there's just Pilecki okay. from Big Bang Theory. Anyway, while they are trying to talk about what they're going to do with the body, someone just happens to drive by. And their first thought is, oh, that must be the guy who is blackmailing us. Yeah. He figured it out. Um, that character is the second person to die, or I guess the third, because the uh, teen and the gym teacher die at the same time. And he dies by, like, shoving his head into a blue Slurpee machine, so his body <laughs> turns all blue. But also, the killer shoved spiders in his head. Yeah, his head comes off. Yeah. And there's spiders in his head. Yeah. Like these weird, like, burrowing spiders. A rare breed of spider that is not native to Hawaii. No, and in fact, I think are had to be specially bred. It's not, exactly. even, not even a natural breed. Indeed. So, 
Pretty spooky, huh, folks? So we've got that going on, wait, and it turns out that wait a the, Did, wasn't this about teens running over a vagrant? It originally was. <laughs> now, uh, the the lady who is part of this cult, we see her breeding spiders. Mm-hmm. What? Also, she's really into bees, and honey is going to be a very important mm-hmm. late motif later on in the series. Mm-hmm. Also, it's entirely possible that Allison and or Lennon. Are weird prophesied chosen ones? Yeah, like they, maybe for they season were, two, they were protected by the cults because one or both of them is like the Special. messiah yeah. of this cult. Yeah, and indeed, we find out later in the show, and we're talking, and we're going to tell you the whole fucking story. By mm-hmm. the way, so get out now if you don't want everything ruined. Um, turns out, mom ain't dead. Is anyone really surprised mom, by that? Yeah, mom comes back like yeah. in the third to last episode, and she comes back after. The cult lady, the big red herring, mm-hmm. she dies in a weird honey-related murder slash killing herself moment. Um, and uh, mom comes back and says, yes, I have returned, but not for my daughters. I have returned for the cult's Bible because I'm going to need it when the end times come. Mm. This will not, not be explained. resolved. Yeah. <laughs> this will not be addressed or resolved. That's not a thing that'll happen. Uh, th- that that honeybee thing is really odd, though, because mm. something she does something with the honey, which I think has to do with like mixing it with the like spider venom or spider web, uh-huh. and creates this weird kind of honey-based preservative. Yeah. That she coats human bodies with, uh-huh. which the cool air in the cave then dries and preserves them in honey statues. And this is important because. At some point, a couple episodes into the season, and everyone's starting to suspect the obvious solution for people who don't know that Lennon is really dead and that Allison is... Has taken her place, yeah. yeah. Everyone assumes, oh, well, the killer's probably Allison. She must not have been dead. Yeah. And now she's back for revenge. This makes perfect sense. Great. Okay. All we got to do is find Allison. And then, sure enough, Lennon's corpse just washes up fresh. (laughs) <laughs> hasn't not not, not bloated oh, because of the sea summer, this was a year yeah, so not, yeah if, normally if you're at sea bad things happen to the but human you'd, body you'd in water a, it looks really rock, gross you'd be like the skeletons in pirates of the caribbean or you would at the very least be unrecognizable because of the seawater and the fishes yeah, yeah. and everything so yeah perfectly preserved mysterious pretty spooky folks turns out it's honey it's a special preservative honey yeah really um hmm. So the cult has been doing this to, mm. for corpses for unknown reasons. I want to know who said, okay, we got this cult storyline. Okay, we're going to add a cult to I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm. Bit of a stretch, but we're going with it. Let's run with it. Now, we need to make sure we get people on board with this big out of left field uh, plot point. Uh, what's like a plot point from a movie about a creepy cult... Uh, that nobody likes and indeed everyone makes fun of <laughs> that, that we can involved. That, that we can like sort of put in here in order to give ourselves cred <laughs> and indeed you're gonna do the remake of the wicker man where it's all about mm. bees maybe not the best choice uh, you know what there's there have been multiple attempts throughout cinema history to get horror out of bees yes we saw a film called The Swarm. It sucks. The Swarm is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's certainly one of the worst 
big budget, well moneyed Hollywood, Hollywood movies. Blockbusters, when people yeah. say like, "Oh, I saw Thor: Love and Thunder, and it's the worst movie I've ever watch, seen," watch the swarm, watch the swarm yeah. and get fucking back to me. <laughs> that movie is almost it's unwatchably so boring. Yeah. It's oh my god. When Michael Caine says, uh, uh, "I always knew the end of the world was coming, but I never thought it would be the bees. <laughs> they were always our friends." <laughs> he actually says that. Amazing joke. Yeah, that, and that was like big budget studio yeah. disaster movie that's really and don't the take this the wrong way the swarm is not one of those i'm gonna watch it because it's gonna be so bad i'll have a good chuckle it's just bad it's, it's actually it's long it's, it's hard just to get through legitimately uh, hard to watch uh, there was uh spears of the beehive i suppose uh, <laughs> i think that's quite that's the not same really a vibe. bee movie uh <laughs> there's bee movie there's bee movie that's kind of a horror <laughs> film unto itself uh i'm trying to think there's uh, other oh uh Candyman. Canada's got bees, bee vibes. And that's, you know? a scary, that's legit that, That's legit. Scary. They, they made right. that one work, yeah. Point is, bees aren't really a good horror go-to. They, they're they good for trauma, though. I mean, look at My Girl. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, because people... Because here's the deal with bees. That's not... Again, that's not a horror movie, but... No, but it, it horrified a lot of people in my... In my generation, there's, there's a movie called My Girl. I don't know if younger people really know it anymore. In my generation, early people, 90s... People of a very specific age remember My Girl. This was a very traumatic film. But Cully Culkin was just becoming, like, a big deal... It started, he was like 11 or 12 in that movie. Yep. He was pretty young. It started a young woman named Anna Klumski. Who, and, who uh, left acting and then came back. Yeah. As an adult. Um, and she's very talented. Um, and her dad's played by Dan Aykroyd. And he's a single dad. And he's dating Jamie Lee Curtis. Pretty good cast. Uh, and it's a coming of age story set in like the 1950s-ish somewhere. And over the course of the film... Anna Klumski and Macaulay Culkin have this kind of very L- sweet little, early little, little kid romance. Just a yeah. little, little crush. It's very mm-hmm. sweet. It's all it's all very charming. It's all very tastefully handled. But Macaulay Culkin's character is allergic to bees, and at one point he is attacked by bees, mm-hmm. and it goes really, really badly. And there is a lot of people my age, specifically my age, who were deeply traumatized <laughs> by the bee attack. By the bee attack <laughs> in My Girl. And I don't know if I, mean, I don't know if there's an equivalent, like maybe the Bridge to Terabithia. Like there's well, like I, I read the book Bridge to Terabithia, and that'll that book will fuck you up. That's true. But uh, the, remember when the movie came out and they yeah. did not even hint that it was going to be that intense. <laughs> they didn't even hint. <laughs> they they Bridge, focused on like the fantasy elements. Of Bridge, Bridge to Terabithia, Terabithia is going to be the feel good YA film of the season, is what they advertised. <laughs> and a, oh my god, it's about a kid who dies. It's really fucked up what they did. That's yeah. one of the worst like. Misleading advertising snafus I've seen in like this last generation. Mm. Anyway, uh, so bees. They try to make the bees a thing. Here's the thing about the cult. None of it matters. It's it's all really unimportant. <laughs> it really ends up um, not. It, so, it's just padding the story yeah. really bad. We probably had about five, maybe six episodes of show, but the cult thing got mm. us an extra two. That's where we. So, that's what we're at. So the actual story is mostly just the main the main characters as they're getting slowly picked off yeah. and growing kind of a little bit increasingly suspicious of each other. Sure, there's only um, so many people left after yeah, a while. You Allison know? and her dad are sort of have to keep on rem- reminding each other mm-hmm. of that she's Lennon now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where the uh, the romance comes in with uh, with Margot. Yeah. Because Margot Margo was really in love with Lennon. And Margot knew Lennon and, really well. And Margot well. knew Lennon really well, but Margot hasn't caught, caught wise to the fact that, yeah. uh, that it's Allison. And Allison starts playing along to the point where she starts to have a crush on Margot. Yeah. Uh, and her her dad actually has to remind her, her it's like, no, Margot wasn't in love with you. 
Yeah. She was in love with your sister. And, and, she, and kind of, so I think you kind of have to be like, push her away, be a little cruel. Yeah. The problem he, is he's, Lennon was yeah. such a horrible person that she was kind of doing that with Margot anyway. Yeah. So it really doesn't work. I like the whole, ironically, even though like the setup is kind of hackneyed, hmm. Once you include the dad in on the twin deception, it actually becomes a little bit more interesting. It becomes the part of the movie that normally they would have to like explain in a monologue. And then my dad helped me do all of these lies. And here we just get to see it plan out. And we see that it really hurts him. Yeah. Like they have to go through a funeral for quote Allison while Mm. Allison is there and hearing people unconvincingly say we'll miss Allison yeah (laughs) and say things like well at least you have a backup daughter like that kind of shit like really callous bullshit everybody's really callous Uh, there's but like he gets he has to talk about how like listen okay in order for people to believe that this is before uh, the body of Lennon shows up they they have to like fake like a note Mm. they'll just cover what happened to Allison yeah. So she says, you need to write a note and you need to write a note about t- that will convince people not to look for you. Yeah. And she writes a note that's very heartfelt. And he says, this isn't going to work because it's going to make people care about you and they're going to look. And she has a good line. She's like, this is the literally the last thing I'm ever going to say as myself. Hmm. And you're editing it. <laughs> and he says... <laughs> I am editing it because it's the only way to protect you. Mm. You have to say something that is so intense that people will say good for her for getting out of there. And so I'm going to dictate to you all the things I think you feel about me. And he ends up convincing her to write like a really horrible thing about how her dad sucks. Uh. And it's actually like a pretty good scene. Like they, the actors are playing it pretty well. Like, because we get to see behind the veil, all those scenes end up working a lot better than I thought they would when they were initially introduced. I thought we were going to be in a pretty tedious territory as far as that subplot went. It ended up being my favorite part of the show. I I think you were a little bit more enamored of it than I was. Uh, Well, don't be wrong, I'm in love with it, but I ended up liking it. uh, I mentioned how sleazy the show is. That doesn't necessarily do it any favors mm. i appreciate i appreciate a good sleazy show yeah and i do like that there are sleazy horny characters yes uh but they're not having fun with it it's actually kind of a miserable no. program well they're all miserable uh, people yeah and uh, some other details come out um it turns out allison had an OnlyFans. Well, it turns out Lennon had an OnlyFans uh, that was all of videos of her sleeping with people when she was in high school, by the way. Yeah. And she used her sister's, her sister's name on the name. account. So, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, so, uh, Lennon was not a good person. No. Uh, there is one honest character. It's like the Barney Fife cop character. Oh, yeah. He's like the, the deputy who's just sort of helping out. He's the one who's only yeah. taking the the only one taking the case like super seriously. Because yeah. the main cop's having an affair with the dad and is not really yeah. focused on the job. And he's taking it so seriously he becomes a joke. He's, uh, he he's becomes a, a joke, and, uh, but he gets really close uh-huh. because he's taking it seriously and he uh-huh. becomes one of the victims. And he's immediately replaced <laughs> by so a much. new deputy who is just as serious and is taking uh-huh. it just as seriously. And who we've never have, seen before. We've never seen her before. Before. Maybe in like in. one shot or something, but we've never yeah, really like, seen okay, it Okay, so you're our new deputy. Hey, did you know the deputy? Yes, we were all fianced. Wait, what? <laughs> and, well, then she says, well, I never told him, but I always knew we would be one day. And I'm like, oh my God. Did you ever see the movie Beer Fest? Yes. One of the most amazing plot points in history is in the movie Beer Fest. 
Beer Fest is about a bunch of American uh, booze hounds <coughs> who accidentally stumble their way into a secret beer drinking competition it's in like, Europe. It's the, the, the kumite of beer drinking yeah. in Germany. So they end up getting drunk under the table, but they decide they're going to spend an entire year practicing their drinking so they can come back and rock the joint. And it's that's the whole movie, basically, is them training for beer drinking the way like Bruce Lee would train for Enter the Dragon. Mm. Now... There's a plot point in that movie it's, where... It's more amusing than it sounds. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, it's from the guys who did... Uh, Broken Super, Lizard. Broken, yeah. It's from the guys who did Super Troopers. So mm. if you like that humor, I think you like Beer Fest. Uh, there's some stuff in it that doesn't work. There's some fat phobia. There's some unpleasant stuff. Mm. But like mostly it's funny. Um, there's a big plot point in it. And it's one of the best things I've ever seen in a movie. Where one of the characters dies. It's yeah, really they, sad they, and tragic. They drown him in a vat of beer. Yeah. And they actually, like, they're questioning themselves. Like, was this even worth it? Like, mm. this is... The, the, this guy's dead. And then at the funeral, one of the guy's relatives shows up and he looks exactly like the guy. He's played by the exact same actor. Mm. And the guy tells everyone, it's like, okay, listen, he would have wanted us to go on and win the beer fest. So I can join you. So I will join you in his stead. I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, and could you just call me his name from now on so it'll be like he never left? And they're like, yeah, we can do that. Good, and let's just never mention this arrangement ever again out loud. Okay. <laughs> and then they just act like he never does. Like, it's like they raised the stakes and then did, <laughs> just didn't raise them again. Just completely put the genie right. back in the bottle. Funniest goddamn thing. So that's kind of what they did with the deputy character. They just gave you a new comic. I like her better, actually. I, I like them funnier. both fine. But I think yeah, she's I think funnier, but like... Um, <laughs> there are more deaths. Mm. Uh, 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 the Riley, the drug dealer, has like a whole thing where she's attacked, but she kind of gets away, but... Did she really? Well, like, Where did she go? She, There's a big plot point at the end. The killer sends a video every time they kill, mm-hmm. and everybody gets really shocked. And uh, they, we see Riley get like hit with a machete like yeah. di- dead and Luca, uh, do you mind buddy we're trying to do a and we see her like laying in a ditch and there's it's actually so this cute. really brutal shot where she's reaching for something and they cut off her arm while yeah she's reaching for it. And she just kind of looks at it for a minute it's like yeah. oh shit yeah that's uh, not good it's like okay well riley's toast she comes back in the next episode sans arm uh-huh. staggering along the road like uh-huh. still beaten and bleeding yeah only to be abducted by that bee cult and preserved in honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the final like twist. By the way, is that Riley might still be alive in honey? Like, like, like somehow she was preserved. I don't know what to do with any the, of that. The last shot of the show, and we're gonna skip ahead the here. Very is, last shot. So uh, after everything's been resolved, we go back to like we're like looking back over all the it's, scenes it's, where it's, all of the violence it's some happened. Some kind of and, lab. No, it's, like, it's, it's like the police evidence locker, but it's yeah. a freezer. Yeah, but she's and, propped and up she's on, her, in there. on her feet. Yeah, she, she was preserved in a standing position. So she's yeah. st- standing up with this, like, patina of shiny honey on her. Yeah. And it just sort of pushes in on this frozen body, and then her eyes open. <laughs> yeah, I love if they decided to really stay true to the spirit of I Know What You Did Last Summer and then go supernatural eventually. Yeah. Like, kudos to you for doing that, if that's where you were going. Beautiful. I love it. I love it when that happens. I love it when a, I love it when like especially really when any franchise, a while, especially yeah. a horror franchise, goes supernatural after a while because we've run out of ideas. Mm. Always great. <laughs> I never complain. I was mad when Scream Three didn't go there. I kind of hoped they, I they wish teased they, it a little. They, they went a little further with it's that like, series, but yeah, yeah, they never quite. Maybe the next one, who knows? But um, in any case, uh, what it actually all boils down to is it looks like. That the red herring character, the lady from the cult, 
did do it. Mm. It looks like Dylan confronted her in a cave and then killed her. Yes. And then that sort of resolves everything. And then we cut two weeks later and everyone's pretty sprightly. Very, yeah. Everyone yeah. who's they're, alive they're... and all who's left is Dylan, uh, Allison, Aslan, and, and Margot. Mm. That's it. Those are the only teen characters who survived. Uh, Allison's still secret. Though. Allison's yeah. still secret. Margot is there. Dylan is there, and, and they're all having a pretty, like, a pretty solid thruple experience at a carnival. Say, I, I, they have the experience. I wish the show had just said that they were. I know it would have been great, but they're not. They're not. And jealousy will will play into it. Uh, and indeed, uh, everything's going great. Everything seems like it's fine. Uh, Dad might be getting married to the sheriff soon. Isn't that nice? Uh, and then. Allison, as Lennon, sleeps with Dylan. Mm. It seems like they're having a real moment. They might be really in love. And then she decides to tell him the truth. Spills the beans like after an, they have sex. Like an idiot. And you know what? Dylan responds the way you, you would in that situation. He freaks out. He's furious. And he goes, believe and he goes you did straight that. to the police. He goes straight to the police. I thought <laughs> I killed this person. I, I'm happy to go to jail. She lied to all of us. She was just absolutely manipulating us this entire time. Please do something about it. And the sheriff, who again is dating Allison's father, mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do with that. Does, That's a lot. Doesn't quite believe him. He's been... Yeah. Uh, it, he's saying, it's worth he's, noting he's, that he uh, yeah. he was a suspect for a little while because of the goat head at the beginning. Yeah, because like, uh, he had lived, a goat farm. He lives on a goat farm and he sets up salt licks for the goats. And uh, he's always been the, the creepy kid in town. So yeah. he's always been a little suspicious. And he's, and he's saying it in a very uh, excitable way. Hmm. You know, like if you go to a police station and say something really wild, like, hey, my podcast co-host has been replaced by another guy who looks just like him and I think he killed the real guy. But listen, something weird is happening. They have the same fingerprints. What a what a what a funny story that would be, wouldn't it? Scary so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, What is this? That, that's us improv. The, the the police Aww. would even and listen. I'm not a huge fan, but like they would understandably be skeptical in that situation. To her credit, she eventually looks into it a bit. Yeah. But at that, by that point, all of the attempts to cover tracks have just really muddied the waters. Yeah. Just made it like a really difficult question to answer because they were never arrested. Their fingerprints aren't on file. Mm. I suppose they could check dental records, but that doesn't come up. So Dylan now looks like a crackpot. And indeed, Allison, she tells her dad what happened, that he didn't take it well. And her dad says, okay, now you need to lie and mm-hmm. say that Dylan is obsessed with you. He thinks you're Allison and he's a problem that we need to deal with now because you should mm-hmm. have kept your mouth shut. And uh, when it comes time to tell Margot, Margot, who's still in love with Lennon. Very much so. Uh, to say, okay, we need to cut ties with Dylan because he's obsessed with me and he thinks I'm a different person. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and... At that moment, Margot like kind of snaps a little bit. Margot, who has been really pushed to the brink, yeah, she's, 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 actually, she's gone to uh, therapy. She's actually gone to uh, uh, like an actual an institution for a while yeah, because she's also uh, got an eating disorder, and she's been going through a lot. And she's been taking this whole thing really, really hard, like harder than everyone else. Um, and she's starting to actually see, like, oh yeah, yeah, that that's something that makes a weird amount of sense, actually. Yeah. 
And uh, so which now leads so, to the the big finale. Yeah. Where, okay. So mom is back in the picture. We mentioned her yeah. earlier. She Maybe comes back she and she's she's looking for the Bible, something about this weird cult, uh-huh. and she's eventually kidnapped and strapped to a gurney. Yeah. And tortured to death. Yes. <laughs> and now it's basically the only three characters who are basically left. It could be the sheriff, but why would it be? It could be dad. Doesn't really track. It's definitely not Allison because we've seen her whereabouts. Mm-hmm. It's either Margot or Dylan. Well, there could have been. Uh, they could have gone really stupid and done the uh it was her but like disassociating like multiple personalities oh yeah thing. there's a couple of minutes there where it looks like maybe they could go there yeah, yeah, yeah. but they don't do that no. uh no so clearly the killer uh-huh this whole time yeah even though it makes no sense uh-huh. is Margot. yes you think it's gonna be and, dylan but it turns out it's Margot. Margot has actually been saying, I know what you did last summer, specifically to Allison, because this entire time mm. she suspected she was actually Allison. She Which wasn't, doesn't, she wasn't make, wor- doesn't make any sense. She wasn't worried about the murder thing. She was worried that I know you replaced your twin no. because she was in love with her. No. And she has been killing a whole bunch of people, oh, including and- people she likes and loves mm. in ways that. Kind she of don't make like a master's degree in engineering is required for yeah, some of these like, skills. Some of this is like saw level stuff. Um, and that's really and not uh, what Margo. I don't think Margo was going to school for engineering. No. I don't. Oh, and something else that's revealed mm-hmm. is uh, not only does uh, Margo figure this all out, but we learn through the another flashback. Yeah. That uh, it wasn't an accident. That. Allison saw Lennon on the road and deliberately ran her over. Oh yeah, so yeah. it was an actual like deliberate murder, like really dark. Yeah. So now. Allison, Dylan, and Margot are like in like a weird catacomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margot has yeah, cliched horror movie setting yeah. number twelve. Margot right. has stabbed Allison, and now Allison is starting to go to work on Margot, and she's telling Margot like, "I actually love you, and mm-hmm. well, I don't well, care about any of this because mm-hmm. no one else has well, ever no one else handle sticking out of her yeah, gut. No one way. listen. My mom abandoned me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister hated me. Uh, you killed for me." No one else has ever loved me the way you do. Mm. And Margot is not super convinced. But then when the sheriff shows up, Allison tells the sheriff it was Dylan. Yeah, she she has a chance. She can sell out. She can tell the truth. Yeah. And turn over Margot. And also or, reveal that she's been uh, masquerading yeah. as, as Lennon. Or she can sell out Dylan and protect the both of them. And yeah, she can protect Margot and protect... Her secret that she's been living as Lennon. Because Margot... Like, Dylan will say something, but no one will back him up. Margot actually has the evidence to back it up. So, she makes that call. Dylan goes to jail. Mm -hmm. Margot and Allison are an item now. And that's the end. And one of the last shots is that the two of them in, like, they're in white dresses, uh-huh. standing by the sea, holding hands. It's very yeah. fairy tale. It's, it's very it's very noir, actually, that ending, because she has, like, this voiceover mm. where she talks about how, now I know what you're thinking, you would have done something different. Mm. And she's basically like, well, fuck you, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made this call. No, this um, is the call I decided to protect my own existence mm. and my own freedom, and I decided to throw Dylan under the bus. And that's no, what I did. I, I kind of respect that. 
I, I guess I do. Um, I don't like that Margot was the killer because mm. this is yet another instance of the lascivious bisexual yeah. as the suspicious murderer character. Yeah. Uh, that to is, be fair, they're almost old... all bisexual, though. They're, that's I, I probably going to happen to anyone. <laughs> I guess so. Like, like four or five bisexual characters. Yeah. The odds it, are higher. Pretty much anyone but, but Dylan or the parents is going to have that. The jealous queer woman is is an old trope. It's like, you know, basic instinct, well, wild things. Like, and it, indeed, it goes back and back and back. And, uh, and seriously, who are the first like three people who die in this the queer character the queer characters you yeah. get yeah lennon dying and then you get the 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 teen and the gym teacher yeah and, and then i forget and then the, the the next one's the liquor store guy so that's that that yeah. breaks the cycle but also still uh, not great also uh the, the, also the black character is a drug dealer which is another issue that yeah. i had with the show yeah um, like listen there there's there's something to be said like the, the idea of representation in horror movies is tricky because horror movies portray people in very negative lights yeah. yeah so they're gonna be doing bad things and sometimes they're yeah, gonna I, be I'm, the villain I'm and not, that's a good thing that yeah. should be possible but you got to be careful with how you do it and when you adhere to cliche hmm. It's not that, great. That's, that's my my issue. Isn't that it's a queer killer? Yeah, that's fine. My issue is that it's uh, they told it's it's a cliche that, yeah. that they told this story before, and it relates to some pretty negative things in film yeah. history. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it didn't really the ending didn't sit well with but me that in is, that regard, and also yeah. it's completely illogical. No, it's it makes a, sense. like the. The Margot character changes immediately. Uh-huh. She's doesn't behave the way Tur- she did. It turns the rest out of like her dad or her stepdad was an accomplice. Why? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I get it. You're trying to protect her, but like, maybe if I, unless like you are in some way like enjoying it, which we never find out. Uh, what's in it for you to let <laughs> her keep doing this? Why don't you just keep her somewhere where she cannot do that? You've already sent her away to mental institutions before. By the way, also a pretty big indictment of those mental institutions mm-hmm. <laughs> that they couldn't notice that she was. A killer, someone who's got that in her. So it's one of those frustrating things where once it's revealed, it, on one hand, it's kind of like, oh, it's Margo. Oh, okay, that's kind of fun. And I like that, <coughs> you know, the deeply problematic protagonist ends up with the deeply problematic villain. And there's something kind of um, in that very Hannibal the series murder husbands kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's something I kind of like about that. And I almost wish we could have explored that in a season two if we didn't have to deal with a bunch of cult bullshit in order to get there, yeah, no doubt. Well. So on one hand, I dig it because I think uh, the the character, um, oh, who plays Margot again? It's uh, Brianne Chu. Mm. I think she's great. She's wonderful. I think she's good. I think she's she's one of the standouts of the show. Her and the dad, played by Bill Heck are my two favorite characters in the show. I think he actually gets a lot out of that character. Um, He's got some very, very unflattering subplots, and I think he plays them really well. Um, So I like her a lot, but the plot doesn't really, really work. The whole cult thing is just embarrassing. Like, it doesn't... Like, I want to like it. Like, I'm okay with taking big swings. I'm the one who wanted it to go supernatural. Go nuts! It just has to work. And here it doesn't. It it all feels like it's thrown into the end. Like yeah. Well, it, it's it doesn't it doesn't. There's, it feels there's like another... they didn't know the ending when they started, and they yeah. kind of had to figure it out at the last minute. That might be the case. That might be why it feels kind of padded as well. There's another series that is airing. Though well, the airing, but like it debuted on Netflix all at once, called The Midnight Club. It is also a teen horror live action series. It has a very different framework. It's quite good, actually. It's based on the uh, teen horror novels of Christopher Pike. 
Oh, no, okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's from Mike Flanagan, and I forget who the other producer is. And, I haven't um, looked into the Midnight Club much. Yeah, I, I, I had never read it either, but I watched the show. It's pretty good. It's got some issues, but it's pretty good. Uh, but it's about um, a, a, a secluded hospice care uh, clinic for dying teenagers. They've all got uh, cancer or other uh, okay. ailments that are... They're go- there's no treatment left. So we're trying to make them comfortable right. in their last months or years. Interesting. Yeah, and so all of these people who are close to death and thinking about death constantly, one of the things they do to <laughs> amuse themselves is they all meet at midnight in the library and tell each other scary stories. So on one hand, it's actually a teen melodrama about all of these kids going through some really harrowing stuff mm. when they're going to be taken from us far too soon. And it's also a horror anthology, and all of the horror anthology segments are adaptations of other Christopher Pike books. And all of them have been adapted in such a way that they speak to the characters. That's interesting. It's actually pretty solid. It's not amazing, but it's solid, it's well-constructed, and it's got a cult subplot that also doesn't oh, no. really... It, it doesn't go nowhere, but it doesn't necessarily add as much to the story as I think they think. Oh. Um, so it, it, it's funny to me that those things came out in such close succession. I think The Midnight Club ultimately has a point to make, even though the plot doesn't really wrap up very tidily. Whereas, and I know what you did last summer, that doesn't really seem thematically connected to anything. Hmm. I mean, that's, what's the show about? Secrets. Right? Right. It's about people trying guilt. to keep secrets. Se- about secrets guilt. and guilt. Yeah. We don't know enough about the cults to understand what secrets they're keeping and what toll it is taking on the people keeping them. So it ends up just feeling like a flat, false plot point. That's not great. There's stuff I like about the show. I think the cast is mostly pretty good. I think there's some good characters here. A couple of the deaths are pretty gross and memorable. Mm. It's not a total wash. I, I but like the gore. I like that yeah. you know, they really went for it in terms of like sex and sexuality. Yeah. I like that it's lascivious. I like mm. these are characters who are sexual beings. People who make, in addition to the absurd mistakes that people make in movies about like not telling people when they kill somebody, <coughs> which I would never do in real life. Because I've seen enough movies. And I know it's, I know, like, if you and I accidentally, like, killed somebody... We, I, we would go to the police. We would tell... We would just tell everyone, like, okay, listen, it was an accident. It's horrible. We feel really, really bad about it. If, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because I know if we didn't, we'd end up killing each other, ironically. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. That's not worth it. I, I don't... Uh, I, I admire you very much. But yeah. I don't want to die handcuffed to your corpse... Yeah, on, on a, a desert island somewhere. Right, which is, yeah, it's not of, worth it. Kind of way that it doesn't make any sense. But like, again, they're teens. They make stupid mistakes. I like a lot of their stupid mistakes. A lot of their stupid mistakes are plausible. A lot of them are not. Some of them can be excused by the because we need to have a story. Some of them are a bit forced. Overall, this is not bad. I would actually argue that I never finished the book. That's just because I read part of it at a library. I can't speak to the book. Um, I would argue this is the second best I know which did last summer. I think the movie is not amazing, Mm. but it's a pretty functional, like, you know, teen horror vehicle. Yeah. And then this. Now, granted, the other two movies are terrible, (coughs) so that's that's kind of a low bar, but at least it's number two. (laughs) The question, though, is... Mm. Is it canceled too soon? I'm, I'm a little torn because I, I don't think I was as fond of it as, as you were. I, I think and I don't I, love it. I, I like the horror. I think it's fine. I, yeah. I think the twists are really ridiculous. I think all the cult stuff is completely it's, useless. It doesn't work, yeah. Uh, however, I've seen how ridiculous they were trying to be, and that makes me eager to see how crazy they would go with season two. Yeah. Like, I know what you did. Oh, okay. We've had all this backstory now. Uh-huh. There has to be a new inciting incident. Uh-huh. 
And with all this weird shit going on in the back with, like, preserved bee corpses and all the rest, yeah. they're going to have to work all that in. Yeah. And it's only so so long before we're going to have, like, UFOs and shit in this show. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes, it was canceled too soon. Wow. That's because, interesting. Because I want to see the UFO version of I Know What You Did Last I summer. can appreciate that, and a part of me would like to see what happens in the next season, just as... I'm not a good person. I killed my own sister, mm. and I covered it up, and I stole her identity. And but I'm... I did that in a calculated, kind of Hitchcockian, perfect murder kind of way. Mm. But now I'm dating someone who is, like, unpredictably homicidal. Yeah. What's that relationship like? <laughs> like, I kind of want to see that. So you know what? I was going to say, just because I don't really care about the cult subplot, that this oh. wasn't canceled too soon. Uh, You've convinced me. I want to see how crazy this can get, but I need an assurance from the storytellers. You are not going to... There's two directions you can go. Yeah, you can... Completely... the story. Completely mad, Mm -hmm. or try to keep it grounded. No one wants that. No one wants the second thing. No one wants it grounded. Go Go wild. wild. I want this to be completely unrecognizable by the end of season two. Yeah. That's what I want. If you can do that, uh, go for it. I'm reminded of uh, of The Good Place. Mm. Yeah. The sitcom The Good Place. The, yeah. the premise of the first season of The yeah. Good Place was, uh, it took place in heaven. They never yeah. called heaven. They called it The Good Place. Yeah, because it's, it's uh, non-denominational. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, four people clearly slated for hell due to a clerical error ended up in heaven. Yes, and, and the joke messing is, up the bureaucracy. Yeah, and, and the joke is they have to like keep tight-lipped and try to behave like good people in heaven for eternity for eternity uh, otherwise the angels will catch wise and send them to hell that is a brilliant premise it is so wonderfully told and then (coughs) just in case no one's seen it i don't want to ruin it there are twists that dramatically reshape that show i'm gonna say the twist at the end of the first season because it went on for like five we've already told you the show was canceled too soon if you've never seen the good place i don't want to spoil this for you so Back out now. Thank you for listening, right. but we'll keep going for a right. few more so, minutes. Uh, if you don't, if you know the good place or you don't mind being being spoiled, this is one of the best plot yeah, points the, in uh, TV history. Okay. At the end of the first season, it was revealed that the angels were in fact demons. Yeah. That heaven was in fact hell, and it was a special hell for just those four people. Yeah, them trying to pretend to be good people for eternity was their hell. That yeah. was their very specifically designed uh, hell. And, That's a brilliant fucking And twist. so the second season had to be, what does hell look like in this world? And how are the people going yeah. to traverse now that they know that they're in hell? Yeah. And it wasn't just about them being tortured. It ended up them figuring out a way to like appeal to the bureaucracy. Mm. And as the show went on, we acknowledge the mythology that got way deeper. Well, and, and it like, ended up they, being they like been there for like thousands and thousands of years. Well, it ended up being a really complicated treatise on ethics and morality. Yeah. About like, what does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to judge someone on how good they are? Mm. Is it possible to be a genuinely good person in a world where everything is interconnected and every choice we make has ripple effects we cannot foresee mm. or even understand? Is it even possible to be a good person? And they talk about how, like, okay, so, like, you may not have think you've done anything wrong today, but um, that movie you went to see, well, some of that money ended up going to really, really terrible people, and that counts against you because they're going to use that money to do bad things and hurt other people. Like, if you really follow the money, if you follow the chain reaction... No one's good. There's a really uh, wonderful line of dialogue. Earth is so weird. Like, there's this chicken sandwich, and if it eat it, it means you hate gay people. Yeah. 
And, and, and it's such a good chicken sandwich. Yeah. It's in reference to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Like, uh, that's, it's a, it, it's hard to be a good person. Yeah. It so, really uh, is. And the show is actually ultimately about that. It's very brilliant. And, but the show, the showrunners had to, like, come up with all these new ideas on the fly. So mm. as the, the show just got wilder and, and wilder, by, kind of by necessity. Mm. So I feel like that's something that I know what you did last summer should have dealt with. Yeah. It's like, well, we've kind of painted ourselves into a corner. What do we do now? Yeah. And the only thing is to, like, swing even further. Yeah. Well, swing away, I say. You ended up teasing a, us enough that we were interested in this keeping it's, going. It's not a great show, but there's, like, enough kookiness that I would love to see how they continued this thing. All right. Well, in any case, that is it for Canceled Too Soon this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next time uh, with the winner of our most recent Patreon poll. We put this one on the back burner a bit so we can focus on the scary-themed, recently-canceled shows for October. But our next episode is going to be about the winner of the poll. It is the short-lived television series, which was in development for so many years. People were trying to get this thing made as a movie, as TV shows, for forever. And then it only got one season. This is an adaptation of the comic book, Why the Last Man. That which, is the letter Y. Yes. It, it y, stands for pull. a couple of things. One, it stands for the protagonist, I, whose name is Yorick. And, uh, and also XY chromosome. That's right. And uh, everyone in the world with a Y chromosome uh, suddenly dies all at once, except for one guy and his pet monkey. Hmm. And that's the premise of the movie. What happens after that? Or the, the series, sorry. I always do that. We're mostly film critics. Um, so anyway, that's coming up next on Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you want to listen to this episode and all our other episodes uh, in the future without advertising, you can do so at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, for $1 a month, you get the show's ad-free and you get to vote in our polls. You also... At different tiers, get a whole bunch of exclusive shows, like our Star Trek podcast, All Our Yesterdays, where every week we're covering every single episode of Star Trek in order. It's a lot. If you sign up yeah, now, there's like over, there's well over 100 episodes of Back uh, Catalog that's just suddenly available yeah, to you. Yeah, we're currently on the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. So we've been, been down quite a path already. Yeah. It's um, been a long road getting from there to here. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Uh, we have Oscars podcast. We do commentary tracks. We do trivia nights with our patrons. There's a lot of cool stuff over there. Thank you to every single one of our patrons. Without you, our shows would not exist, and we're incredibly grateful to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. <clears throat> Is there anything you want to talk about that we discussed in this episode? Do you know stuff <clears throat> that we didn't about I Know What You Did Last Summer? We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at critically acclaimed net. Dot net. Dot net. That's right. Critically Letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. That's Sorry, correct. I, the whole thing. Um, we might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Whitney, what is our P.O. box for people who like to send us actual physical letters? Yeah, send us an actual physical letter to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. My voice is going. Indeed. Yeah. So we are, we're, we're, we're basically done. Follow us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Thank you.